You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox from Pro Football Focus, here once again to entertain and inform you all for your listening pleasure. Today, we're finishing up our look around the NFC North with the Detroit Lions. My friend Jeff Risden from ESPN Grand Rapids 96.1 and really a number of other outlets, he is joining us today to break down this new look Lions team under head coach Matt Patricia. We'll talk about how their defense is getting a bit of a facelift and where former Bears linebacker Christian Jones is going to fit into that, as well as how their offense is trying to build on past success under Jim Bob Cooter to try and compete in what's going to be a very tough division in 2018. We've already looked at the big-name additions that the Minnesota Vikings and Green Bay Packers have made in our last two podcasts here. If you haven't heard those, go back and listen to it to kind of see how the top of this division is looking. Both of those teams are trying to contend for Super Bowls, and certainly the Bears and Lions are trying to do the same, but there is still at least a perception of these two teams being a little bit of a step back. And the Lions this offseason have kind of opted for the more lower-risk, cheaper free agents that have the potential to outproduce the contracts they signed. They're just trying to add pieces right now to try and push them over the top here with a new head coach coming off a 9-7 and season where they finished second in the division. So our guest today is going to break down those moves and help us understand here where the Lions stand in the division moving into this season. Joining me now on Locked on Bears is Jeff Risden. He wears a lot of hats, so I'll, I'll go through his, his long list of uh, accomplishments and uh, outlets that you can find his great NFL work across a number of teams. He is the managing editor for both Browns Wire and Texans Wire in the USA Today Sports Media Group Wire Network. He covers the NFL and some NFL draft for Real GM. And while he's on this podcast, he covers the Detroit Lions for ESPN 96.1 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Risden. Jeff, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk some Lions on a Bears podcast. How are you? <laughs> it's, it's great to be with you. And, uh, you know, I, uh, can I start off by saying as a, a Lions fan, I'm very impressed with what the Bears have done this offseason the team's getting better, guys. Uh, keep the faith. It, it's looking a lot better than it did a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, there's been a lot of changes in Chicago this offseason, and kind of more quietly, there's been a lot of changes in Detroit. You know, they hired their own head coach, too. They've signed a lot of free agents that we're going to get to in a minute here. But I, I want to start with Matt Patricia because it's the head coach team com- combo that Everyone kind of saw a mile away. You know, everyone thought they were going to get one of the Patriots guys with Bob Quinn in charge over there. And then as the playoffs went on, you know, everything was pointing to Patricia. And, you know, I think of Patricia as sort of the Ed Sheeran of NFL coaches because he's a guy who sounds 
so much different than he physically looks. Like Ed Sheeran looks like a weird dude, but has a great voice. And Matt Patricia, you know, the big kind of burly, big beard guy and kind of sounds just like a, a down to earth, you know, rocket scientist like he was in, in his background. But <laughs> this is a hire that's interesting because, you know, this is a league where hot offensive innovation is, is the new thing. And, you know, and even the Patriots defense is coming off of this weird year where they were in the bottom of the rankings in terms of yards, but like top five in, in points allowed. So generally speaking here, what are your thoughts on the hire of Matt Patricia and how important was it to be able to retain Jim Bob Cooter as offensive coordinator? Yeah. Like you said, it was a move that a lot of people saw a mile away. It took a long time. There are a lot of people who thought this was going to happen a year ago. We wound up suffering through another year of Jim Caldwell. Actually, suffering is the wrong word. Um, we, we coped with a year of with. Jim Caldwell. Um, he, he, he had his pluses and minuses. Uh, ultimately, the minuses outweighed the pluses, and that's why we have Matt Patricia now. He's been, um, like you said, he, he, he comes across very different than his appearance. Uh, when he shaved his beard uh, for his initial press conference and, and just had sort of you know, the light stubble, uh, he was almost unrecognizable. And then you hear his voice, and he sounds like Claudio Sanchez from Coheed and Cambria, and it was, <laughs> it was revolutionary. Uh, he's been nothing but a positive force so far. It's, it's been very well received. He, he's, he's boys with, with Bob Quinn, the general manager from the days in, in New England. And, and he's doing a lot of things that are very Patriot-esque. And it's sort of bringing out the, the Patriots West formula that, that Quinn started to do, uh, in his first year, year and a half in, in Detroit. And now, now you see a whole lot of it. Uh, we're, we're getting a, it looks like a defensive scheme change. Uh, not necessarily to a straight 3-4, but to a, a straight hybrid defense, uh, which is going to be weird for a lot of Detroit people that have had four threes for, oh, geez, we've had a 4-3 for at least 15 years. Uh, and, and there will still be a lot of components of that, and I still think you'll see a lot of that. But uh, it, it, it's changing, and, and just the way that, that Patricia has approached the job, I think everybody's pretty happy uh, that he's more personable than expected, uh, more media-friendly than expected. He, he, like Quinn, says a lot of things without saying actually anything, um, which is different than Jim Caldwell, who just refused to talk. Uh, so that, that's been a welcome change, too. It's, the times are changing in Detroit. It's, uh, it's a little bit of culture shock, but at the same time, I think it's a good culture shock because uh, this team still hasn't won a playoff game since uh, 1991. Yikes. <laughs> well, as, as they go through this defensive change, however different it may or may not end up being, you know, they were kind of stuck with this first major decision of the Matt Patricia era with Ziggy Ansah set to hit free agency. You know, for those who don't know, he had like two sacks back in 2016 and then came a little bit slow out of the gate again this year. There were some questions about his future. And then over the last two games, he had three sacks in each of those two games. And, and in the season as a whole, three separate three sack games finished the year with 12 total. And there's a lot more to playing defensive end slash outside linebacker than just sacks, but after Ansa puts together another strong finish here, do you feel like they were more or less forced to put that franchise tag on him? And do you expect him to play out 2018 on the tag, sort of with the hopes of cashing in next offseason? Uh, I'll answer the second one first. Yes, they're not going to do a long-term deal with him. He is playing on the franchise tag, and he is playing for his next contract, and in all likelihood that will be somewhere else unless he's just dominant. Uh, he's he's older than most people that are coming off their first contract. He was a 24, 25-year-old rookie. Um, you know, just th that's just his background. 
He did not play well last year until the very end. He's been hurt for most of the last two years. He still wasn't even right when he was torching Eric Flowers for three sacks in that Giants game. Uh, and if you look at who his sacks came against, he torched the bottom of the league uh, pretty well. <laughs> Um, yeah, like you said, there are a lot of other things that go into playing the position he plays, and he does do very well in run defense. He's a good team defender. He he works well in conjunction with the people around him, which is important, especially in the new scheme. And I I do think he's capable of getting double digit sacks again, uh, and I think he'll be good uh, if he's healthy. The problem is, you know, keeping him healthy. Um, the fact that he is playing for his new contract, I think, is, is good motivation to get the most out of him. Not that he's ever had an effort problem. That's never been an issue with him. But uh, it's it, it's on-the-spot time for Ziggy. They had no choice. The, this free agent market was was fairly trash at, at pass rusher. Uh, last year, they were desperate enough that they brought in the carcass of Dwight Freeney. Uh, and he actually wound up being the second-best guy on the team. <laughs> um, uh, you can't go into a year with Anthony Zettel as your alpha pass rusher. Uh, and, and that's where they would have been uh, had Ziggy left. So they, they had the cap room to do it. It wasn't necessarily that big of a deal to absorb it. Uh, it's the first time in a long time they've actually had some cap room. Uh, that's why they let in Dominican Sugo. And, and sort of the side benefit of Calvin Johnson retiring prematurely was they got you know $50 million in cap room from those two guys not being here. Uh, it, he's, he's still very good uh, and, and can beat very good players as well. But he's got to be healthy to do it, and that's we're we're all hoping that he's healthy again. Well, we're talking Detroit Lions here with Jeff Risden. Jeff, the other big decision for Patricia before free agency, or it ended up being pretty close to free agency when the decision was made. On the other side of the ball, another former first round pick, Eric Ebron. He was due like eight eight point two five million dollars in twenty eighteen. He's been labeled as a bust because he was drafted tenth overall in a really loaded draft where Aaron Donald went after him and almost more by circumstance than anything else. He, he looks like a worst pick, but he, he quietly had, you know, 700 plus yards two years ago and he's had 504 plus touchdowns in, in 2017 and 2015. Could you give us a little bit of a eulogy for Ebron's Lions career here? <laughs> he, uh, you said it very correctly. He's considered a bust because of where he was drafted. He was not a bad player. He just couldn't ever live up to the expectations of being taken instead of Odell Beckham, Aaron Donald, uh, Ryan Shazier, among others who were taken after him in that draft class. Uh, it wasn't fair. The fans never let him forget it, and he is a guy who is very sensitive to that. And that was part of his problem was that he, he took the criticism very personally. He's not a guy who is uh, going to get past that. Uh, and he made it very clear that, that he was not going to, this was going to be his contract year. He was not going to re-sign in Detroit after this contract was done. Wasn't even going to listen. They tried to trade him. Uh, and the word that, that a lot of us got was that he wouldn't consider signing contract extensions beforehand. He wanted to be a free agent. He was very adamant about that. Well, the, the circumstances worked out as such that he wound up getting his free agency a year early, uh, and signed with the Colts for, for less money, quite honestly, than I think he thought he was going to get. Uh, that's on him. He's he's clearly burning the bridge. Uh, if you follow him on social media at all, uh, with Detroit, and I don't I don't really blame him because there were a lot of fans here who were just merciless on him. Uh, they treated him like he was uh, just the the biggest bust ever. Uh, when in truth, he was a whole lot better than the the player that the general manager at the time, Martin Mayhew, wanted was Justin Gilbert, who uh, the the cornerback who went to the, the the Cleveland Browns, who's now out of the league and has been out of the league for a couple of years. 
it could have been a lot worse. And I, I think there, there's a lot of Lions fans that just never got past that. He did need to go. I'm not happy with the fact that they're, they don't have him because they do not have a replacement in place, uh, or didn't have one in mind anyways. Uh, un- until yesterday, the only tight end on the roster was Michael Roberts, who is very different from Eric Ebron. He's going to be a good player. Uh, he was a rookie last year, only caught four passes, is a, is an inline blocker, chip and release guy in red zone target, but is not the, the seam stretching, you know, hybrid wide receiver that you saw with Eric Ebron. Uh, and that, that bothered me, but I understand the need to get rid of him. And from what I gather, the, uh, the, the plan now sort of, sort of comes into fruition. They did sign Luke Wilson to replace him. And I think it's more of a case of they're, they're retooling Jim Bob Cooter's offense, which is a good thing. Uh, you asked about Cooter earlier. He was, uh, he was a necessary evil to be retained in my mind. He's not a good play caller. He's not particularly a great schematic designer. Uh, there's a famous play, it actually happened against the Bears, where they had Eric Ebron lined up over the left tackle and asked him to come across and pick off, uh, the, the right, the, the defensive end on the other side, uh, who was already past him before he even got over there. Just the impossible schematics that are done in the offense. Handing the ball off to a stationary running back is just asinine in these things, and that's a base of the Cooter offense. We're hoping that Patricia brings some sanity to that and, and gets rid of the foolishness that Cooter has, uh, because there are a lot of good things with Jim Bob Cooter. He, he's worked very well at, at getting the wide receivers open. He's worked very well with Matthew Stafford and made him a more complete quarterback. Uh, and when he's had the offensive line, he's, he's done a pretty good job with those guys too. But there's a lot of wonkiness that we hope goes away with that. <laughs> well, you mentioned Luke Wilson coming in from the Seahawks to replace Eric Ebron. They also added LeGarrette Blunt on a one-year deal here in free agency. And actually, Wilson is a one-year deal too. But in terms of the offense, that's kind of about it. I, I think they added another a guard on a one-year deal too, but not a lot of big moves in that direction. And with quarterback. You know, we can expect the same high-quality passing offense, but the Lions were one of the worst rushing offenses in, in most statistical categories. And we'll talk a little bit about how the draft might impact that. But as so far, is there any reason to really expect a lot of improvement on the ground game? Actually, there is. And, and one of the reasons why their, their ground game was, was lousy last year was the offensive line. Their, their projected starting offensive line, the starting five, some played exactly 11 snaps together last year. They had major injuries. Taylor Decker missed the first nine weeks, uh, 10 weeks actually. He was on the PUP list. Uh, he tore his triceps in the offseason, finally got it back. He wasn't as good in his second year as he was in his first. Some of that was obviously injury related. They brought in Rick Wagner to play right tackle, paid him a, a ton of money. They brought in TJ Lang, paid him a ton of money to, to play right guard. Lang was good. He was good enough to make the Pro Bowl. Wagner was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, some of that was the fact that he didn't never really had the chemistry with the guys around him. He was in and out. Lang missed a couple of games. Uh, center Travis Swanson is probably going to retire. I uh, d- doubt he comes back. He got two concussions last year. Uh, it seems like he's not in the plans, and he's a free agent. Uh, so they're going to move Graham Glasgow, who was sort of a utility guy uh, that got moved around. He'll be the center this year. He's better there than he is at left guard, which is where he played last year. They still have a glaring opening at left guard. Uh, let's hope it's not Joe Dahl, because he, he seems to be the only real option in-house right now. But just getting all those guys together and playing together, there's a lot of talent on that, that offensive line. We just never saw it all together at the same time. That'll help a lot. Having Amir Abdullah not be the feature back will help a lot. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a case where, where LeGarrette Blunt gets the, the bulk of the inside duties and they're going to find somebody else other than Abdullah to take the outside duties. It wouldn't surprise me if Abdullah's not on this team, uh, come the fall. Uh, Theo Riddick, still a very good running back as a receiver, not so much as a running back. He's, he's definitely got a place on the team. Uh, he'll, he'll catch probably three times as many passes as he gets handoffs. And I think that's actually statistically proven what he's done in, over his career. Wow. Yeah, he, that, that's what he does. Uh, he's, he's a guy who's going to get, you know, three carries and nine targets in a game. That's, that's sort of the way he gets used. Uh, I do expect him to address it in the draft. I, I don't think they're going after any other free agents, but, uh, they, they will be taking a running back. Uh, my guess is by the end of Friday night of the draft, which is the second and third rounds, uh, tap into that deep, deep, very impressive draft class. Don't forget, if you want even more on the Lions or the rest of the NFC North, you can listen to Locked On Lions, Packers, or Vikings here on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Lions haven't been particularly big spenders in free agency, but they have kind of thrown a lot of bodies, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. You know, in, in that linebacking court, to hear Whitehead and Paul Warlow are gone, and in comes former Bears linebacker Christian Jones, and, and the one they really spent the most money on was the Giants linebacker Devin Kennard. Both of those guys, I mean, Jones, as Bears fans know, former outside linebacker, pass rusher who has moved inside Chicago and can really be a nice hybrid linebacker, and Kennard, also a, a heavy pass rusher, even in that Giants 4-3 defense, they kind of like to move him around too, so... You know, replacing Whitehead and Warlow with Jones and Kennard, is that a net upgrade or downgrade in your opinion? Oh, it's for sure an upgrade. Even if we get the Christian Jones who struggled calling plays in Chicago uh, in the middle, he's an upgrade over Paul Warlow. Warlow is a, a special team. He's very good on special teams. The fact that he had to actually play on the base defense last year was an indictment of, of the health and, and of the problems and the lack of depth that the Lions had there. He's he he just didn't belong. I, I'm bullish on Jones. I think he's going to be a very nice piece. I think he's a great fit for a, a hybrid front that, that goes three four four three because he can play inside. He can play four three outside linebacker. He can play three four inside or outside. He does have some pass rush skills. That's definitely what Kennard brings. Um, he he's probably a wash himself with Whitehead. Uh, Whitehead was always a guy that when he was the fourth best linebacker in Detroit or even the third-best linebacker, he was fine. Uh, but he was above that the last couple of years, and that was a real problem. And I think Kennard's sort of the same way. If he's not your best linebacker or your second-best linebacker, I think you're in pretty good shape with him because he can rush the passer. He's a very good blitzer and, and sets a solid edge, gets out on, on the outside, and blows up the outside run pretty well. He's not a guy, though, that you want chasing tight ends down the seam, and uh, I, I think Jones will take more of that. They also have Jalen Reeves-Maben, uh, a rookie last year who, who showed some ability to do that. I think I think they're much better, uh, certainly much deeper than what they were, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with what they got. Uh, I, I was admittedly way too high on Jones. He was a top 30 player on my board for most of that draft year, uh, and I think Bears fans would, would realize that he was – he was a good, not great player. Uh, one of those, I think his versatility almost got played against him just because he, he, he never really found a positional home because he, he could do so many different things at a fairly well level. Um, and I, I'm hoping that, that that works better in Detroit than it did over the, the long haul with Chicago. Yeah, I agree 100% with that Christian Jones analysis spot on there. In, in terms of this Lions secondary, 
you know, they, they met with Richard Sherman reportedly, or at least that was, they were scheduled to meet with him. I don't know if that actually happened before he made it to San Francisco. They were also rumored to be in on Malcolm Butler. You know, either of those guys would have been quite a pairing with Darius Slay, but they, they ended up not getting either one. They re-signed Nevin Lawson. They added Tavon Wilson back at safety and, and also added Deshaun Sneed from the Seahawks. Do you feel like the Lions are kind of here banking on the growth of Tease Tabor in year two, or do you think there's still more to come in the secondary? Oh, Tease Tabor. Oh. <laughs> I was not a fan of that pick. I'm still not a fan of that. He was a healthy scratch for, I think, 11 games last year as a second-round pick. Wow. He's, he's um, They are banking on him, yes. that's To answer your question, yes, they are. They're hoping that. Uh, they're, they're pretty high on Shed, though. They think he can play quite a bit. And I think uh, he brings size to the outside, which is something Nevin Lawson was the other outside corner opposite of of Darius Slay, who's fantastic last year. Lawson's good. He's 5'11". He's got long arms, um, a good tackler, not necessarily a good guy in coverage. He's much better on the inside. And I think if they can get the outside covered with Shed and or Tabor or both of them, I think they're in very good shape. Lawson's a, Lawson's a better player than a lot of people give credit for. Uh, and I think Tabor, with his growth, his problem is he's slow. He, he is a legit 4.7 running cornerback. He's got great instincts. He's a good tackler. He likes to be physical, but he just can't keep up with the 4-4, even 4-5 guys on the outside, uh, a guy that you need to have have the play in front of him. Uh, they, they do have good safeties. I think Glover Quinn is criminally underrated, one of the best safeties in the league and has been so for a long time. He helps cover a lot of mistakes and can get over the top. And, and moving Quandre Diggs last year, uh, once Tavon Wilson got hurt, they moved Diggs, who was their starting slot corner, to strong safety. He's small, he's 5'9", but he really played well there. And I think his ability to do sort of both jobs is is overlooked by a lot of people. The, it's a good secondary. It could be better, uh, especially if, if you know, Shed and or Tabor really steps up. But uh, they, they have a decent amount of talent and depth there. So it, they, they are better on the back end than they are on the front for sure. So we've touched on a few of these kind of weaknesses remaining in, in different areas. You know, defensive line, pass rush a little bit, still need a left guard. You can always add talent, you know, at receiver and in the, in the secondary. So when it comes to this Lions 20th overall pick in the draft, I mean, obviously we can't pin down one prospect or one position, but generally speaking, what what are the more likely directions you think the Lions go in the first round? Uh, I'm looking at the defensive line, uh, specifically pass rusher. Uh, it can be an internal pass rusher guy, but I think it's more of an edge. Uh, they've shown a lot of interest. Well, the, the coaching staff, they have Texas San Antonio's defensive line coach last year, uh, and that's where Marcus Davenport is from, is now the Lions linebackers or defensive line coach. So there's an obvious connection with Davenport, who may or may not be there at 20. Uh, I'm kind of hoping he is, and I hope that they pass, because I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his. But he certainly would, would offer that sort of pass rush sizzle potential that they sorely lack. Harold Landry out of Boston College is another guy. His college coach is the Lions' new defensive coordinator. So they have ties to these guys, and it would certainly make sense to tap into those things. I would vastly prefer Landry. I think he's going to be a very good player. Not necessarily the highest ceiling guy, but a guy who's going to come in and can get you eight to ten sacks right away. That might be all he ever gets you, but hey, if if, if that's all you can get, if you can give me that, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, they they will look at Deshaun uh, Hand, uh, Deron Payne out of Alabama is probably going to be in the mix. Maurice Hurst from Michigan, who got cleared to play at his pro day, 
uh, this week, which is a very good thing. It's certainly in the mix, too. I, I think they're going to upgrade there and then look. It wouldn't surprise me if they addressed left guard there but uh, like with a guy like Isaiah Wynn or Will Hernandez, but I kind of think they're looking more at the other line first because that seems to be the more important side. Um, just judging off Patricia and, and the involvement that he's taken in the free agent process and what he's done at, at pro days that he's been to, he's looking really hard at a lot of defensive players, and I think they'll, they'll give the coach what he wants there. Well, for me, there are a few guys that know the Detroit Lions as well as Jeff Risden. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Risden. He's not only a great Lions follow, but I mentioned the Browns and the Texans wire, but NFL, NFL draft. If you like football, I highly recommend following Jeff Risden on Twitter. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're too kind. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Jeff Risden for joining me on today's podcast. As always, if you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to hit that subscribe button and, and keep coming back for more. Do us a favor, like Locked On Bears on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Bears, and if you just need more Bears news and analysis, you can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. This is going to wrap up our look around the NFC North this week. Next week, we're going to turn our attention fully to the NFL Draft, barring some unforeseen big move the Bears make, you know, either late in free agency or with a trade or whatever happens, we're probably going to be looking at the NFL Draft. And I've kind of said it all along here, if you keep tuning in to Locked On Bears, you are going to be fully prepared for draft night at the end of April. You're going to know all of the big name prospects that you need to know that the Bears could be interested in. And then after the draft, we're going to break down all of the Bears' picks and try and get a feel for how they're going to fit into the plans for 2018 and beyond. There are just so many reasons to keep it locked on Locked On Bears. And always, bear down. Bear down.